another school year, and we've got a number of educators in our number this morning. I know you're relieved to be through another school year, and we've just had graduation ceremonies, and we've got graduates in our number here this morning, and we congratulate you on graduating, and that's all good, right? Those are good things, and, and uh, we're glad to report that school has been completed and graduates have graduated and everything is looking good. But you know, it's not all good. There's a problem in our education system, and we refer to them as dropouts. There are kids who drop out before they finish. They don't get done. They start, but they don't end their education process. Dropouts. Uh, I think nationally the numbers run about 25%. Now, some states are worse and others are not so bad, but if you think about sort of a, 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 an average range of 25% of students who drop out before they finish high school, that's one out of every four. That's, that's a significant number of people who are dropping out. And we talk about the problems that that presents to those dropouts who didn't finish school it probably bodes not very well for their future. Uh, they may probably not be able to get a, a really good job. They'll struggle uh, economically. There'll be other issues in their life that will come up because they dropped out and didn't finish. It's a serious problem, and I know a lot of our uh, educators and experts always are working to try to address that problem. This morning, we want to talk about dropouts as well, but not about those who drop out of school. This morning we want to talk about spiritual dropouts. And it's, it's still sort of the same idea. Someone starts a process but doesn't finish. And so when we're talking about spiritual dropouts, we're talking about those who once named the name of Christ, who pledged their allegiance to the Lord, who started to serve as a Christian but have not continued with that, who have dropped out. That's a bad thing, too. As we were saying, it's a very bad thing for high school dropouts for their future. This is even worse. Those who would drop out from serving the Lord and not be faithful to Him. But it happens. The Scriptures talk about it. In Hebrews chapter 3, verse 12, Take heed, brethren, lest there be in any of you an evil heart of unbelief in departing from the living God. Would you say, if we were to just put it in so, so many words, He's warning, don't be a spiritual dropout, right? Depart from the living God. In 2 Peter chapter 2, verse 20, Peter says, For if after they have escaped the pollution of the world through the knowledge of the Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, that's got to be talking about someone who's a Christian, right? They've escaped the pollutions of the world through the knowledge of the Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. They are again entangled therein and overcome. The latter end is worse with them than the beginning. And so it's possible to be a spiritual dropout. And what we want to do in our lesson this morning is examine some of, the, some of the root causes. What would be some of the contributing factors that would cause a person to drop out spiritually? Because if we can see what those potential contributors are that cause that to happen, then we can work to avoid those things in our own lives, can't we? And that will be the thrust of our lesson this morning. That's what we're going to try to do. What would cause someone to drop out? Because if that's what leads to that, then I don't want to do that. I want to go in a different direction. Thanks for being here this morning. Uh, as has been mentioned several times already, we have a beautiful day in Middle Tennessee and a great privilege to be able to be joined together in worship and Bible study, praising God. We pray He'll be glorified, we'll be edified by all that we do here this morning. As it was mentioned, we've got a, a whole host of our own members who are uh, traveling and away. 
Thankfully, we've got several who are visiting with us this morning. We're glad that you're here, and we look forward to the time that we can spend together. Thanks always for participating in these worship services, and as always, if anything is said or done that leaves you in doubt or question or maybe in disagreement, please say a word to us so that we can work that out. We want to carefully follow the Word of God. We want to understand and apply His Word accurately. If you see any problem or have any question in those ways, please let us know. Let's talk about spiritual dropouts. What would be some of the contributing factors? I think there are several things that we can point out. And again, our emphasis here is if we see the danger exists there, then we want to stay away from that sort of thing. I would suggest that some drop out spiritually because they didn't really count the cost before they began. The... Have you ever thought about maybe uh, buying a house? You know, a lot of houses out there on the market. Maybe you even decide that you'd like to have a house built, you know. Well, you better stop before you start and think about all the costs that are associated with that. Because if you were to go out and buy a house, of course, there's the initial amount of money required to make the purchase, right? You've got to buy the house. But that's not all that's involved. Because you're going to have to make the payment on what you've borrowed to buy the house, but you're also going to have to pay taxes on that. You know, there's property taxes. And you've got to figure in those taxes. And it'd just be absolutely foolhardy. And I don't even think your mortgage company would allow it to have a house without an insurance policy on it, you know, because something could happen to that house. There could be a storm. There could be a fire. Something else could destroy. So you've got to add in the insurance policy. And then, and then of course, there's going to be some upkeep. Uh, if, if you have a physical structure, it's going to require some maintenance. Some things will go wrong. Uh, the, the water heater is going to leak, right? We know that. You're going to have to be ready to make repairs as they are needed. And then, of course, you may want to just add some things. You want to make some improvements on the property. You put all those costs together, and they begin to become quite significant. You've got to look at all those costs. Don't start into buying a house until you understand all that's involved, right? Count the cost. Well, spiritually, we need to do the same thing. We need to understand what's involved before we get started. Jesus talked about this in Luke chapter 14, beginning verse 28. In Luke 14, verse 28, For which of you, intending to build a tower, sitteth not down first, and counteth the cost, whether he have sufficient to finish it? Well, that just makes sense, right? Jesus is saying, if you were going to build a tower, you'd want to know what it costs to get the job finished. There's no use starting if you can't finish, right? But Jesus wasn't talking about building towers, really. He wasn't really talking about real estate. He wasn't talking about building or buying a house. What he was talking about was the cost of discipleship because he was using that point to emphasize what he was really stressing here in verse 33. So likewise, whosoever he be of you that forsaketh not all that he hath, he cannot be my disciple. So what's the real cost of discipleship here? Well, Jesus said you have to forsake all that you have. Effectively, everything has to become his. You're just his servant. You're just using his his things in his service to his honor and his glory but you need to understand that if you're going to be a christian this is not going to just be one little side compartment in your life if that's the way you're looking at it then you're not really considering the real cost of discipleship the real cost of discipleship is that you become totally his you forsake all to be his nothing else matters he's first and has top place in your life uh, and if you don't see that, 
And if you don't count that cost before you begin, there's a, a, a sad probability that you may not follow through. Remember Jesus talking to the rich young ruler in Mark chapter 10, beginning verse 21. Then Jesus, beholding him, loved him and said unto him, One thing thou lackest, go thy way, sell whatsoever thou hast, and give to the poor, and thou shalt have treasure in heaven, and come and take up the cross and follow me. And he was sad at that saying, and went away grieved, for he had great possessions. We know the story of the rich young ruler, right? And he'd been doing a lot of things right prior to these verses we just read. Jesus said, well, you've got to keep the commandments. And, and he enumerated some of them, and the young man said, I've been doing that. You know, I've been doing that. What do I lack? Jesus said, well, what you really lack is that you're devoted to your material possessions, and you need to shed yourself of those things. You need to get rid of that that's holding first place in your life so that I can have first place in your life. That's what he was really saying, right? He was saying, count the cost. Understand what discipleship really demands. He wasn't willing to give that up. He left. He went away grieved because he had great possessions and he didn't want to part with those things. He wanted those things to be first. He still wanted to serve the Lord, but he wanted to have other things in first place in his life. And you can't do that, Jesus said. He says, you just can't do that. When his disciples questioned him about that, he went on to say in that context, Verily I say unto you, there is no man that hath left house or brethren or sisters or fathers or mothers or wife, or children, or lands for my sake, and the Gospels, but he shall receive in the world to come eternal life. Now, when the disciples questioned him, and Jesus went on to expand about this idea of giving up what you have to be his disciple, he said, now, there's no man who has not left his house, or his brethren, or his sister, or his father, or mother, or wife, or children, or lands for my sake. What does that imply to you? Doesn't that imply to you that to be a disciple of the Lord might just require that sort of thing. It might require that I have to part with my property. It might require that I be alienated from my own family, even my mother and father, maybe my wife, that, I might, that, I, that, that there might be real stress in my family. Why? Because I've decided to be devoted to the Lord and they're not, right? But I've got to be willing to bear that price he says, if we will do that for his sake and the gospel's sake, if it's necessary. Now, he's not saying it will be necessary in every case. And those of us who have not had to be alienated from our parents or, or from our children because of the gospel's sake, we can rejoice and be thankful in that. But for those who have done that, understand, God knows that, and he will reward you with eternal life, but you've got to pay that price. You've got to be willing to bear that cost of discipleship and I really think that the reason that a lot of people don't follow through, who don't see it to the end, is because they didn't really ever think about it at that level. They, they never understood the real cost of discipleship. And therefore, when, it, when the demands started to come, when they were expected to bear that burden, they weren't willing to do so because they hadn't really counted the cost to start with. I think another reason some drop out is because they failed to grow. They, they did not grow like they needed to. You know, we were talking earlier about school and school dropouts, uh, and we could consult with some of our educators here this morning, I think, who would verify this. One of the things that you see in these dropouts is that very often they were students who started to fall behind in the education process. It may have started pretty early. You know, maybe in the early grades, maybe even in grade school, they started to fall behind their peers 
they got behind uh, and, and they weren't progressing. Uh, they didn't catch up. And ultimately, they got far enough behind and discouraged and depressed enough about their status that they just quit. But it started out because they weren't progressing at a normal level. They weren't moving up in education like they should have. Well, I think there's a parallel to this also in regards to spiritual matters. If we're not growing spiritually, if we're not progressing, if we're not moving up, so to speak, in regards to what we know and how we're living, if we're not growing spiritually, then it can certainly contribute to a situation where we might stop, quit, drop out. In 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 5, we, were, we just read this in the adult class here in the auditorium this morning, and Thomas read it for us a minute ago. You know the so-called Christian graces or virtues that we're supposed to add to in our lives. Besides all this, he says, Second Peter chapter 1, beginning verse 5, Besides all this, giving all diligence, add to your faith virtue, to your virtue knowledge, to your knowledge temperance, and to temperance patience, and to patience godliness, and to godliness brotherly kindness, and to brotherly kindness charity. Notice, for if these things be in you and abound, they make you that you shall neither be barren nor unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. Brethren, give diligence to make your calling and election sure, for if you do these things, you shall never fail. Now, I want to point out a few things about that passage. A very familiar passage to us, I think. But notice he says, you've got to give all diligence to add to, to your faith. What's that say to you? Well, that's saying that you've got to work at this, right? You've got to put forth effort. This just doesn't happen accidentally. It just doesn't happen just because you're sitting there in the pew it's not a process of osmosis. You're not just going to soak it up without effort. You're going to have to give diligence to add to your faith these necessary things. So add. You've got to grow, right? You've got to work at it. You've got to grow. Notice, he says, if these things be in you abound, they make you that you should be neither barren nor unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. I want to emphasize these things have to be in you and they have to abound in you. You can't be content with just a little bit of any of these things. You've got to be abounding in these Christian graces. You've got to be growing constantly. And there's not any of us. And there are some of us here who have been Christians more than 50 years. Don't sit back. Don't get complacent. You're not there yet. You've got to keep adding these things. And they've got to abound more and more in your life. Notice... He says, for if you do these things, you shall never fail, or fall, rather. But the big word here is if. If you do these things, then you shall never fall. But you've got to be working at this. Because if you don't, uh, you'll drop out. But if you add these things, you'll, nev you'll never drop out. You'll never fall if you keep working to add these things in your life spiritually. So again, I think some drop out because they did not grow. I would argue that others drop out because they began to associate with a wrong crowd. It'd be interesting to talk to some of, our, some of our teachers and educators here this morning. I think they could probably tell us several sad stories that they have known in their personal experience of, of, of a kid, a good kid maybe, and potentially even a good student, you know, high marks. They were doing really well in school, but then they fell in with a bad crowd of kids. They, they, they got to, to associating with some kids who were not this, of that nature. 
And what happened was that those kids drugged them down and their grades began to drop and other problems began to materialize in their life and before you know it, uh, they ended up dropping out. That, that would be particularly sad, wouldn't it? A kid who had great potential, was doing very well, high marks, and yet by getting in with the wrong crowd, it brought them down. Again, we're drawing, just drawing straight spiritual parallels here. Spiritually, the same thing can and does happen. In 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 33, you know this verse well. Be not deceived, bad company corrupts good morals. Uh, that's, that's always been true, right? It's kind of interesting in that te context, if you study it thoroughly, uh, Paul was even talking about those who would be false teachers religiously, who could be the bad company that would bring us down. We'll talk a little bit about, more about that in a minute. But just realize that the people you're around have a strong potential to affect you for good or for bad. And if you're around bad people, they'll affect you in a negative way, and we have got to be on guard against that to keep from dropping out. King Solomon, in our daily Bible readings, we're just about ready to, to get into the life of Solomon. Uh, Solomon's an amazing study. And by the way, just a little heads up, uh, uh, after we study our Wednesday night, uh, after we finish studying Leviticus on Wednesday night, which we're doing right now, we're going to go to the book of Ecclesiastes, which is such an interesting study in the book of Ecclesiastes sort of tells Solomon's search for meaning and fulfillment in his life. Potentially the richest man who ever lived in the whole history of time, I think. Very wealthy man, but God had endued him with great wisdom. Uh, and, and he did an, an amazing, he, he was doing amazingly at the start, but his life didn't end so good, did it? In 1 Kings chapter 11, verse 4, it came to pass when Solomon was old, that his wives turned away his heart after other gods, and his heart was not perfect with the Lord his God. What a sad end, well, a sad ending statement to the life of Solomon, who had such great potential, but it ended up squandering it. And notice here that that is laid to the fact that his foreign wives, his pagan wives, turned his heart to other gods. Amazing. That's amazing to me that Solomon would be there. And yet it all went to wrong company, being around the wrong kinds of people. We've often talked about the Apostle Peter, and we remember how Jesus had foretold that, he was going to, that, that Peter would deny him that very night that Jesus was arrested and put on trial before his crucifixion. Jesus had predicted, Peter, you're going to deny me. Peter said, hey, well, I want to tell you something that will never happen. That's not, I'll, I'll, go to the, I'll go to death with you, but I'm never going to deny you, Peter said. But you remember what happened when they came and arrested Jesus? What did Peter do? He didn't stay right by Jesus' side. He followed from some distance. And we've pointed out, haven't we, that that was his undoing. That was his fall. Mark 14, verse 54, Peter followed him afar off, even into the palace of the high priest, and he sat with the servants and warmed himself at the fire. He's over here with this group of people instead of over there with Jesus. Well, what happened to him? Well, we know what happened to him, right? And he fulfilled the prophecy of Jesus in denying his Lord. He associated with the wrong crowd. And that can be a problem for us too. And it can lead to spiritual disaster. It can cause us to drop out, to stop serving the Lord faithfully. We've got to be on guard about that.
Others who drop out spiritually are victims of false teachers. We hinted at this a minute ago, but just to expound on that just a little bit more. There's a lot of false teaching out there in the religious world. And even sadly, there are some that would identify themselves as our own brethren who are teaching false doctrines and taking false positions. And we talk about those things a good bit. Uh, there are some people who don't like us to talk about those things, but it's necessary to do so. And sometimes we even name names, and certainly sometimes people object to the naming of names, those who are teaching false doctrines. Well, why do we do that anyway? Well, the reason we do that is because if those people are not identified and if, they, and, and if, if their false doctrines are not shown for, for being false, then they have the potential to lead people astray. People will be lost because of false teachers and false doctrines. In 2 Peter chapter 2, verse 1, Peter says, There shall be false teachers among you who privily shall bring in damnable heresies, even denying the Lord that bought them, and bring upon themselves swift destruction. And many shall follow their pernicious ways, by reason of whom the way of truth shall be evil spoken of. That's the reason why we've got to issue those warnings, right? That's the reason why all of us need to be alerted to the dangers of these false teachers and their doctrines. And I'll tell you, it's not just from people out there in the world, right? Uh, if, if that were so, that would be bad enough, and we'd have to be on guard against that. And we talk about the false doctrines of the, of the religious world around us, but I tell you, there's a danger from within. Uh, that, that our own brethren can teach and lead astray. And Paul warned about this strongly when he was speaking to the Ephesian elders in Acts chapter 20, beginning verse 29. He said, For I know that after my departing shall grievous wolves enter in among you, not sparing the flock. Also of your own selves shall men arise, speaking perverse things to draw away disciples after them. Even from our own ranks can come those who uphold false teaching, false positions, and they can lead people astray. They can cause this problem of dropping out spiritually and not completing the commitment that we have made to the Lord. So, didn't count the cost to start with, didn't grow once they got started, got in with the wrong crowd, listened to false doctrines, all potential contributors, wouldn't you agree? Finally, let me suggest the reason some fall out, who drop out, who stop serving, is because they didn't really stay active in the Lord's service. You know, you've got to keep growing and keep working and be active. Keep exercising yourself spiritually. I don't know. I think I would probably have some agreement with some of the older ones in the assembly this morning. But, you know, as... Over time, we sort of stopped being involved in some of the things we used to be involved. When I was a kid, uh, you, didn't, you didn't even have to get the word basketball all the way out of your mouth before I was there. I was ready to play basketball. I mean, at the drop of a hat, I was going to play basketball, you know. And you, if you said when and where, I was going to be there, and we played basketball. We, I, I can remember shoveling snow off the driveway so we could play basketball in the middle uh, in the coldest days of winter. We played basketball all the time. Uh, I'm very involved in it at, at that one point. Uh, played on the high school basketball team and stuff. Very involved. I got to tell you, I can't remember the last time I held a basketball in my hands. Now, I'm not involved anymore. 
uh, I have dropped out of basketball. I've dropped out. Why? Well, I didn't stay active in it. Because, you know, I, I realize, you know, if I play basketball today, tomorrow, Cindy probably help me, have to help me get out of bed, you know. And I'm just not willing to, I'm just not willing to do that. And so I just don't do it anymore. I'm not, I'm inactive. I'm completely inactive in, in the, in the uh, uh, business of basketball. I have dropped out. If you don't stay active at something, you will ultimately drop out. And that, that certainly has a spiritual application. And there's the danger that we could become inactive in the Lord's service. We've got to guard against that. In Ephesians chapter 5, verse 14, Paul says, Awake thou that sleepest, and arise from the dead, and Christ shall give thee light. There were some in that Ephesian church. Paul was writing that letter to Christians, wasn't he? And there were some that were asleep spiritually. They'd gone asleep. They had become inactive. Uh, is, is, does that describe us or any of us this morning? Potentially. And if you become inactive, if you fall asleep, if you're not working, you could drop out completely. Proverbs chapter 6, beginning verse 9. How long wilt thou sleep, O sluggard? When wilt thou arise out of thy sleep? Yet a little sleep, a little slumber, a little folding of the hands to sleep? So shall thy poverty come as one that traveleth, and thy want as an armed man. Here, we've often used this passage to condemn physical laziness, right? God condemns physical laziness, but the application would be true of spiritual laziness too, right? If you're asleep, if you if you just all the time in the relaxation mode and you're never working, then bad things are going to happen to you, both physically and spiritually. And so we've got to be constantly active in his service if we want to avoid the problem of dropping out. Well, as we said at the outset, School dropouts are a real concern, and rightfully so. But the danger of dropping out from school doesn't hold a candle to the danger of dropping out in service to the Lord. Our goal needs to be that which Paul stated in 1 Corinthians 15, verse 58. Therefore, my beloved brethren, be ye steadfast, unmovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, for as much as you know that your labor is not in vain in the Lord. Be steadfast, unmovable. Don't even consider the possibility of dropping out in his service. We've got to do that. And we hope that we are warned and encouraged appropriately this morning. Is there someone here today who has dropped out? Or maybe you're on the verge of that, and you're down that road a good ways, and you realize the spiritual danger that you are in? If you're a Christian and you've not been faithful to your Lord, Come back to him in repentance, confession, and prayer. We'd be glad to pray with you and for you this morning so that you could leave this place once again in a right relationship with God. Let us know how we can help. If you're not a Christian yet, you need to get started on that process, the simple gospel plan of salvation. Hear, believe, repent, confess, be baptized for the remission of sins. If there are any here this morning subject to the Lord's invitation, we can help. Let us know while we stand and sing this song. Bring Christ your broken heart.